Last year I attended a student leadership summit organised by students from Monash University and led by a postgraduate candidate, Laura Aston, under the auspices of the Institute of Transportation Engineers. It was held at Box Hill. Now I spoke to a local representative there who regretted to some degree that the seat of Box Hill in the state government was considered a safe seat. But in the 2018 state election, the Andrews government increased its majority, including winning the seat of Box Hill for the first time in 26 years. Their candidate was Paul Hamer, and in his maiden speech to Parliament, he noted that his background was as a professional engineer, which was somewhat unusual for a politician. Can an engineer add something different to the political and government functions? Paul Hamer joins me on the line now. Paul, thank you very much for your time. I know you have an extremely busy schedule. No, no problem at all. Thanks, David. Are engineers underrepresented? Oh, absolutely. For my inaugural speech, I, uh, I did a little bit of research, and in the Victorian Parliament, since the first year of responsible government, which was 1856, there'd only been 31 engineers who had any form of engineering qualification, so that would, that included a diploma or undergraduate um, or postgraduate level on number 32 and there's been almost 2,000 members of parliament in that time so that is a poor representation amongst the engineering community in, in parliament and I, I dare say that other state parliaments and, uh, and, and the federal parliament over its time has similarly been underrepresented. I love your research. It's wonderfully complete in many ways. And it's not just that there were some who had an engineering degree. There was perhaps a lack of a broad experience in engineering. There were a number of individuals who did have engineering qualifications, but then may have proceeded not to actually work in that industry, as, 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 as many engineers now do choose that path. They might work for a couple of years and then they, they go off in a, in a different pathway. But it seemed to be uh, even fewer who who were like me, who were, who, who was working in a an, an engineering capacity, pretty much until the day I got elected. What sort of engineer are you? I studied civil engineering, and I did some work in, initially uh, in the consulting industry in in the I guess a land development engineer. But most of my career has been around transport infrastructure projects, um, so transport planning and uh, sort of project development for transport infrastructure projects. So you're much more interested or you're much more involved in why we use and how we use the road rather than how we build them? That's right, yes, and how people get around and the, the connection and the integration between planning and, and transport because transport has always been, to, to me, seen as a, a means to an end. It's not there for transport's sake, it's there to to improve accessibility to work and jobs and leisure and everything else that we that, that we want that's what uh, has always i guess interested me from the from the transport particularly the transport planning side it's a derived activity what are the, some of the fundamental skills that you think a science based background can help bring to the parliamentary process well i think all of the, the, the like the science and engineering disciplines by their nature are analytical and try and resolve problems. It's it's there. It's a it's a very nature of the of the work that we do, and I think that's a really important asset to have in Parliament, particularly when you're talking about sort of future policy and trying to to set the policy for the years ahead. I think certainly from an engineering background, 
and you're talking transport infrastructure and, the, and, and, and my background, your planning horizon is, is quite long. So you know, maybe sort of 30, 50 years is, is quite normal. And many governments in the past, have, uh, there's, there's been, I guess, a critique that governments are focused too much on the short term and, and not enough on what we need as a community in the long term. And uh, I think that that's something that certainly uh, an engineering, an engineer perspective can help in that because I think for many of us, that's what we are looking at. Even if you're in the, so the con- construction industry, you're building a, a, uh, a facility or building infrastructure that's going to have 30, 50, 100 year life expectancy. So you are thinking that, that long-term vision. And, and uh, so hopefully that's something that I can, uh, that I can add to the, to the parliament. A lot of problems is often too that projects or or approaches or the systemic approaches to them are often just covered by very short, sharp, almost anecdotal ideas or suggestions which are then presented as facts. Is the engineering process of looking at the more wider range, the complexity of the issue, something that has to be driven harder in the governance that we're doing at the moment? I think it does add value, although I think that it would probably be a a mistake to say that that depth isn't being looked at as it is. I think there is, in any particular issue, the, the, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of difficult issues that pop up from, from, from time to time, and there's a lot of Good minds in the in the government and and in the department and uh, and and others in industry who are who are supporting that to try and work out some of those issues and some some of those issues might need sort of more short term responses but uh, yeah I'm not I'm not necessarily saying down the down the path of um, that everything sort of um, making sort of quick decisions and short termism. And I fully respect and know many really good people working in government striving to the full extent of the skills that are necessary. I guess that that doesn't always get reflected in the public debate. Is that part of the issue? I suppose the, 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 the public debate is also then can, can be framed also by the media who might not necessarily always have be fully involved in the depth of the discussion. So I think that it can be sort of just coming from two different perspectives on on a, on a particular issue. Is it our fault? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a question of of, of blame or, or fault anywhere. I, I think that there's. It's it's just a. Let's say it's a. It's a sometimes a, a different perspective in terms of what's different perspective on different issues. Mm-hmm. When you worked uh, in in consultancy and. I guess you wouldn't have uh, been involved in so many press releases or having any words that you say analysed to a considerable extent. Is that one of the different environments in government? Yes, it is. It is a much more you're under a lot more scrutiny <laughs> than, than than you are when, as a uh, particularly in consulting or as an employee in any in any um, in any organisation. But that's the that's the nature of the beast. So I guess you've had to go through the process of the, the time taken to write a final press release is not something done lightly or necessarily in a, a short, sharp time. No, well, I, I, I do like to uh, um, consider my words 
careful in. So uh, I do, yeah. When we when we when we when we're putting out a press release, it's uh, it's another thing just to to read over and make sure that I'm that I'm happy about how how it might be um uh, might be circulated and, and interpreted. But uh, that's uh, that's all part of the the new the, the learning curve, I think. Is there well, there is some concern that governments are de-skilling a bit and putting a lot out to consultancy and I guess that might have supported your former activities but do you think that there's a need to keep pushing hard to maintain technical skills within government and I don't just mean politicians I mean the government departments as well is that an issue that uh, has been raised to you? It's not an issue that has been raised with me but uh, I, I Amongst my, my my various jobs, I was in the uh, the public service, and I think you sort of referred to it earlier. I mean, there's some exceptional people within the public service um, who are doing fantastic work in in a technical capacity. Oh yeah, it's it's obviously very important that those skills uh, remain. I think obviously the market has changed in terms of where it was say 20, 30 years ago, where a lot of the work was done internally. But we're in a, I guess, an environment now where you, your public service, it's doing a lot more, I guess, of the, the, the project management and the direction and offering the individual sort of technical designs or contracting jobs out to the, um, out to the sector. That's important though then that the people doing that still have either them individually or within the group, within the government department, have enough skill to be able to judge that role and the items that come into that role. That's where the skill would be needed? Yeah, I, th- I think so. So I think there's, there is a... I mean, it's important to have that, that the, those technical skills and ability within the department so that when they're reviewing and they're assessing any of the, the work that comes in from a from a uh, consultant that they understand what they what they're talking about so i think it's that that is really really uh, that is really critical one of the critical issues of engineering is of course to be able to evaluate afterwards how the system works are we doing enough of that it's probably a little bit hard for me to to say too much on 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 that one i mean i think it's it's more probably a a personal Observation. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I I think there's it is important. Like it's, there's always in, important to to be able to have those evaluation processes in place to make sure that you, you're it's delivering what you've expected it to do to deliver. Mm. We often see now a lot of things driven by algorithms and numbers, yet the community and value, you spoke about that very much in your maiden speech, and I think that came strongly from your family. Your father had a particularly specific experience that enhanced his understanding of the value of a family and community. That's right. So, uh, yeah, my, uh, my, my father was a um, child survivor of the Holocaust in wartime Poland. And uh, I think that the values that uh, I was brought up with have helped me be the person that, that I am today and, and really like a, have, a, have, a, have a strong passion for... Yeah, look, as we always say, Ocean start by saying they have zero tolerance on, on racism and a passion for inclusion and of, of 
all people, whatever their whatever their beliefs or creeds or colour of their skin or wherever. And I know they they might seem fairly glib comments, but uh, I think we still see that in 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 our in our society. So I think it's just important to for me to to keep speaking out on that. In fact, your father was protected but came very close to losing all opportunities, didn't he? What was the story of, uh, was it a raid on the house he was at? That's right, yes. They're, they're, I mean, had, had, that was, uh, I mean, that happened on a, on a number of times and where there was, it was just by really sheer luck they were moved or the, the I think the, the story that I had mentioned was that they were hiding underneath a cupboard, and it was just it was just the the angle of the light, the sunlight just made the the gap in the floor not visible to the soldiers. So, so yeah, just just almost blind luck that uh, that 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 he managed to survive, and that uh, that I'm here today. I love the uh, comment you made that uh, you then had a family where you discussed things, where you t- talked about things. It is working with the customer and understanding needs that is a critical part of the processes they've learnt to apply. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that's correct. And I, I, I mean, obviously everyone everyone applies it differently, but I felt certainly in in even from a professional background that that was a a value that I felt very strongly about, making sure that sort of relevant stakeholders were actually engaged in the process and consulted as part of whatever work we were we were we were doing at the time, and I think just being able to discuss with people in a in a, in a very um, non-judgmental way, non-judgmental and and I could say almost like a a relaxed environment where people are comfortable in just talking about what they've what what their concerns might be and. I think, if anything, that's that's probably uh, prepared me quite well for the uh, for the transition into a uh, a local member of parliament because uh, that is all about consultation with with your local community and and understanding what their what their concerns are and sometimes their views are not uh, not will not necessarily accord with mine but uh, I'm always happy to give everyone a, a a fair hearing and listen listen to what their concerns are. Has it broadened your understanding of community? I think it has, yes, yeah, because I, I, one of the things I have noticed is that in the engineering environment, while you do have, obviously, like I said, the, the, there is consultation with the community, day-to-day, most of the, the work is a sort of business-to-business transaction. So most of my previous work, it would be a lot of engagement with uh, contractors and consultants, um, as, a, as a as someone as a, who was who was working in, in industry or, or the public sector, and and you don't you probably don't get exposed to the diversity of the community, and particularly in certain sectors. So I, I, I'd probably highlight say the health sector mm. is one that uh, I've I've openly said. Well, thankfully I, I haven't had a lot of um, from personal experience and a lot of exposure to the health sector, um, but there are so many uh, wonderful people who are doing an amazing thing in that in that space. It's been fantastic opportunity for me, this role, to actually see what, what goes on and learn more about, about um, obviously, a really critical sector of the population. I was just talking to the young uh, students from Monash University who race a car, now an autonomous car, 
and that they have this incredible activity which is not just engineering it's project management and it's linking to a whole range of other people one of the people on the engineering team happens to be someone from the medical profession yet the whole way in the broader sense and psychology and of how we interact with machines in the future that it's engineering has become much more diverse would would that be your experience yes uh, i mean probably Probably, I wouldn't say necessarily my experience, but it's it's certainly more of an awareness that the way that engineering is promoted, and particularly at at the school level, it isn't just about the like the pure science of engineering. It's it's a it's the whole it's a whole spectrum, and you also need to, it's all it's also about I guess even like the sales pitch. So it's about who can maybe create something. That can build for the future. So we're so it's 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 yeah we've got we've sort of gone away from the time where it's there's just going to be a, a, a I guess a, a cookie cutter approach to to what an engineer might look like to something that's that's a lot broader. My last question. I'm a member of a couple of institutes, and that's uh, the profession. What can it do to help you? I mean, apart from vote for you, I you know I'm not. <laughs> I'm not pitching for that. That's not my role. But, but is is there something that institutes and that can do to you and to government that would be most helpful? Look, I think that the and, and it probably gets back to one of the earlier points about having a lack of of representation in Parliament. I mean, you don't you don't necessarily need to have the representation, but it's about being uh, being heard and being seen and having like having. A relevance within the policy, particularly the policy debates that are, are occurring at the moment. So, like you, you touched on the issues of like autonomous vehicles, and and there'll there'll be a number of other policy debates that come up. Whereas where I think that the the various engineering institutions have a great value to add because there's so much knowledge and experience mm. included in that in, in, in within the membership group. It is really important, I think, for those organisations, along with the professional associations, to be a strong advocate, not necessarily even for the, so much for the profession, but for the the views that the, the profession and the institution would, would actually represent. Some of the information that may be behind that, not just going in there and saying, I think the answer is 42, but saying, here is some information that may enhance the debate... Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, because engineers are by their their nature um, analytical people, I think there's a that's a real value add that that the institutions can provide. It's, it's not just coming from a from the heart. There's some real thinking and research that can be put in an intellectual weight that can be put behind the arguments and, and say why why we should be going down this path or or, or that particular path. And I think that can that can really add value to the policy debates of the future. I hope we can help in some way. Paul, I, I've taken much of your time. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. No, my pleasure, David.